Hello, this is Jeff Barnum reading the Supreme Court Opinion Syllabus in Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts Incorporated versus Goldsmith et al. Sushirori to the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit. Argued October 12th, 2022. Decided May 18th, 2023. In 2016, Petitioner Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts Incorporated, AWF, licensed to Condé Nast for $10,000 an image of Orange Prince, an orange silkscreen portrait of the musician Prince created by pop artist Andy Warhol to appear on the cover of a magazine commemorating Prince. Orange Prince is one of 16 works now known as the Prince series that Warhol derived from a copyrighted photograph taken in 1981 by respondent Lynn Goldsmith, a professional photographer. Goldsmith had been commissioned by Newsweek in 1981 to photograph a then up-and-coming musician named Prince Rogers Nelson, after which Newsweek published one of Goldsmith's photos along with an article about Prince. Years later, Goldsmith granted a limited license to Vanity Fair for use of one of her Prince photos as an artist reference for an illustration. The terms of the license included that the use would be for one time only. Vanity Fair hired Warhol to create the illustration, and Warhol used Goldsmith's photo to create a purple silkscreen portrait of Prince, which appeared with an article about Prince in Vanity Fair's November 1984 issue. The magazine credited Goldsmith for the source photograph and paid her $400. After Prince died in 2016, Vanity Fair's parent company, Condé Nast, asked AWF about reusing the 1984 Vanity Fair image for a special edition magazine that would commemorate Prince. When Condé Nast learned about the other Prince series images, it opted instead to purchase a license from AWF to publish Orange Prince. Goldsmith did not know about the Prince series until 2016, when she saw Orange Prince on the cover of Condé Nast's magazine. Goldsmith notified AWF of her belief that it had infringed on her copyright. AWF then sued Goldsmith for declaratory judgment of non-infringement or, in the alternative, fair use. Goldsmith counterclaimed for infringement. The district court considered the four fair use factors in 17 U.S. Code Section 107 and granted AWF summary judgment on its defense of fair use. The Court of Appeals reversed, finding that all four fair use factors favored Goldsmith. In this court, the sole question presented is whether the first fair use factor, the purpose and character of the use, including whether such use is of a commercial nature or is for non-profit educational purposes, weighs in favor of AWF's recent commercial licensing to Condé Nast. Held, the purpose and character of AWF's use of Goldsmith's photograph in commercially licensing orange prints to Condé Nast does not favor AWF's fair use defense to copyright infringement. AWF contends that the Prince series works are transformative, 
and that the first fair use factor thus weighs in AWF's favor, because the works convey a different meaning or message than the photograph. But the first fair use factor instead focuses on whether an allegedly infringing use has a further purpose or different character, which is a matter of degree, and the degree of difference must be weighed against other considerations like commercialism. Although new expression, meaning, or message may be relevant to whether a copying use has a sufficiently distinct purpose or character, it is not, without more, dispositive of the first factor. Here, the specific use of Goldsmith's photograph alleged to infringe her copyright is AWF's licensing of Orange Prince to Condé Nast. As portraits of Prince, used to depict Prince in magazine stories about Prince, the original photograph and AWF's copying use of it share substantially the same purpose. Moreover, AWF's use is of a commercial nature. Even though Orange Prince adds new expression to Goldsmith's photograph. In the context of the challenged use, the first fair use factor still favors Goldsmith. The Copyright Act encourages creativity by granting to the creator of an original work a bundle of rights that includes the rights to reproduce the copyrighted work and to prepare derivative works. 17 United States Code, Section 106. Copyright, however, balances the benefits of incentives to create against the costs of restrictions on copying. This balancing act is reflected in the common law doctrine of fair use, codified in section 107, which provides the fair use of a copyrighted work for purposes such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, or research is not an infringement of copyright. To determine whether a particular use is fair, the statute enumerates four factors to be considered. The factors set forth general principles, the application of which requires judicial balancing depending on relevant circumstances. The first fair use factor, the purpose and character of the use, including whether such use is of a commercial nature or for non-profit educational purposes, Section 107, Paragraph 1, considers the reasons for and nature of the copier's use of an original work. The central question it asks is whether the use merely supersedes the objects of the original creation, supplanting the original, or instead adds something new with a further purpose or different character. Campbell v. Acuff Rose Music Incorporated, 510 U.S. 569 from 1994. As most copying has some further purpose and many secondary works add something new, the first factor asks whether and to what extent the use at issue has a purpose or character different from the original. The larger the difference, the more likely the first factor weighs in favor of fair use. A use that has a further purpose or different character is said to be transformative, but that too is a matter of degree. To preserve the copyright owner's right to prepare derivative works, defined in Section 101 of the Copyright Act, to include any other form in which a work may be recast, transformed, or adapted, the degree of transformation required to make transformative use 
of an original work must go beyond that required to qualify as a derivative. The court's decision in Campbell is instructive. In holding that parody may be fair use, the court explained that parody has an obvious claim to transformative value because it can provide social benefit by shedding light on an earlier work and, in the process, creating a new one. The use at issue was two live crews copying of Roy Orbison's song, Oh Pretty Woman, to create a rap derivative, Pretty Woman. Two live crew transformed Orbison's song by adding new lyrics and musical elements such that Pretty Woman had a different message and aesthetic than Oh Pretty Woman. But that did not end the court's analysis of the first fair use factor. The court found it necessary to determine whether Two Live Crew's transformation rose to the level of parody, a distinct purpose of commenting on the original or criticizing it. Further distinguishing between parody and satire, the court explained that parody needs to mimic an original to make its point, and so has some claim to use the creation of its victims or collective victims' imagination, whereas satire can stand on its own two feet, and so requires justification for the very act of borrowing. More generally, when commentary has no critical bearing on the substance or style of the original composition, the claim to fairness in borrowing from another's work diminishes accordingly, if it does not vanish, and other factors, like the extent of its commerciality, loom larger. Campbell illustrates two important points. First, the fact that a use is commercial as opposed to non-profit is an additional element of the first fair use factor. The commercial nature of a use is relevant, but not dispositive. It is to be weighed against the degree to which the use has a further purpose or different character. Second, the first factor relates to the justification for the use. In a broad sense, a use that has a distinct purpose is justified because it furthers the goal of copyright, namely, to promote the progress of science and the arts without diminishing the incentive to create. In a narrower sense, a use may be justified because copying is reasonably necessary to achieve the user's new purpose. Parody, for example, needs to mimic an original to make its point. Similarly, other commentary or criticism that targets an original work may have compelling reason to conjure up the original by borrowing from it. An independent justification like this is particularly relevant to assessing fair use, where an original work and copying use share the same or highly similar purposes, or where wide dissemination of a secondary work would otherwise run the risk of substitution for the original or licensed derivatives of it. In sum, if an original work and secondary use share the same or highly similar purposes and the secondary use is commercial, the first fair use factor is likely to weigh against fair use, absent some other justification for copying. The fair use provision, and the first factor in particular, requires an analysis of the specific use of a copyrighted work that is alleged to be an infringement. The same copying may be fair when used for one purpose, 
but not another. Here, Goldsmith's copyrighted photograph has been used in multiple ways. The court limits its analysis to the specific use alleged to be infringing in this case, AWF's commercial licensing of orange prints to Condé Nast, and expresses no opinion as to the creation, display, or sale of the original Prince series works. In the context of Condé Nast's special edition magazine commemorating Prince, the purpose of the Orange Prince image is substantially the same as that of Goldsmith's original photograph. Both are portraits of Prince used in magazines to illustrate stories about Prince. The use also is of a commercial nature. Taken together, these two elements counsel against fair use here. Although a use's transformativeness may outweigh its commercial character, in this case, both point in the same direction. That does not mean that all of Warhol's derivative works, nor all uses of them, give rise to the same fair use analysis. AWF contends that the purpose and character of its use of Goldsmith's photograph weighs in favor of fair use because Warhol's silkscreen image of the photograph has a different meaning or message. By adding new expression to the photograph, AWF says, Warhol made transformative use of it. Campbell did describe a transformative use as one that alters the first work with new expression, meaning, or message. But Campbell cannot be read to mean that section 107 paragraph 1 weighs in favor of any use that adds new expression, meaning, or message. Otherwise, transformative use would swallow the copyright's owner exclusive right to prepare derivative works, as many derivative works that recast, transform, or adapt the original add new expression of some kind. The meaning of a secondary work, as reasonably can be perceived, should be considered to the extent necessary to determine whether the purpose of the use is distinct from the original. For example, the court in Campbell considered the messages of Two Live Crew's song to determine whether the song had a parodic purpose. But fair use is an objective inquiry into what a user does with an original work, not an inquiry into the subjective intent of the user, or into the meaning or impression that an art critic or judge draws from a work. Even granting the district court's conclusion that orange prints reasonably can be perceived to portray prints as iconic, whereas Goldsmith's portrayal is photorealistic, that difference must be evaluated in the context of the specific use at issue. The purpose of AWF's recent commercial licensing of orange prints was to illustrate a magazine about prints with a portrait of prints. Although the purpose could be more specifically described as illustrating a magazine about prints with a portrait of prints, one that portrays prints somewhat differently from Goldsmith's photograph, yet has no critical bearing on her photograph, that degree of difference is not enough for the first factor to favor AWF, given the specific context and commercial nature of the use. To hold otherwise might authorize a range of commercial copying of photographs to be used for purposes that are substantially the same as those of the originals. 
AWF asserts another related purpose of Orange Prince, which is to comment on the dehumanizing nature and effects of celebrity. No doubt, many of Warhol's works, and particularly his uses of repeated images, can be perceived as depicting celebrities as commodities. But even if such commentary is perceptible on the cover of Condé Nast's tribute to Prince Rogers Nelson 1958-2016, on the occasion of the man's death, the asserted commentary is at Campbell's lowest ebb. It has no critical bearing on Goldsmith's photograph. Thus, the commentary, claim to fairness in borrowing from her work, diminishes accordingly, if it does not vanish. The commercial nature of the use, on the other hand, looms larger. Like satire that does not target an original work, AWF's asserted commentary can stand on its own two feet, and so requires justification for the very act of borrowing. Moreover, because AWF's copying of Goldsmith's photograph was for a commercial use, so similar to the photograph's typical use, a particularly compelling justification is needed. Copying the photograph because doing so is merely helpful to convey a new meaning or message is not justification enough. Goldsmith's original works, like those of other photographers, are entitled to copyright protection, even against famous artists. Such protection includes the right to prepare derivative works that transform the original. The use of a copyrighted work may nevertheless be fair if, among other things, the use has a purpose and character that is sufficiently distinct from the original. In this case, however, Goldsmith's photograph of Prince and AWF's copying use of the photograph in an image licensed to a special edition magazine devoted to Prince share substantially the same commercial purpose. AWF has offered no other persuasive justification for its unauthorized use of the photograph. While the court has cautioned that the four statutory fair use factors may not be treated in isolation, one from another, but instead all must be weighed together in light of the purposes of copyright. Here, AWF challenges only the Court of Appeals' determination on the first fair use factor, and the Court agrees that the first factor favors Goldsmith. Affirmed. Justice Sotomayor delivered the opinion of the Court, in which Justices Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Barrett, and Jackson joined. Justice Gorsuch filed a concurring opinion, in which Justice Jackson joined. Justice Kagan filed a dissenting opinion in which Chief Justice Roberts joined. Thank you for listening. If you wish to communicate with the podcast, please email us at scotusdecisions at gmail.com. That's scotusdecisions with an S at gmail.com.